Welcome to the Birds FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Watchman. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction. Righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Friday, August 5th, the end of the week, year 2022, just in case you got confused about some time warps or something you thought we were going through. Every day I begin to wonder. I'm ready to look outside and see, like, space aliens or something. That's next, though, up on the list. Alien invasion is coming. We haven't gotten there yet, but they've been trying to prep the ground. And in case you were curious, all you had to do is look at Nancy Pelosi and realize aliens are amongst us already. But that's life in America. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're getting a great night's sleep. That's the most important thing right now. Sleep. Not lots of it necessarily, just quality sleep. That's what you need. And to get quality sleep, you need to have the most comfortable possible sheets you can ever get. And what are those? Giza cotton sheets. They're amazing. And where do you get them? You get those at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. You can also go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards because that's the Bards Nation special landing page on the MyPillow site. All sorts of featured specials over there. Giza cotton sheets. Percal sheets. If you want to get a sheet that's a little lighter, that's super comfortable for the hot weather, there's another one. They're on sale right now. Amazing value. You also have pillows. MyPillow Classic. I mean, who could, not, who could go to MyPillow site and not want to get a MyPillow Classic? It's kind of like going to the fair in the Midwest and not sampling deep fried butter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'd recommend that, but it's there. It's for real. It's honest. They have it there in Minnesota, deep fried butter. But anyway, that's kind of off topic a little bit. So head on over to MyPillow.com and try one of those MyPillows. Check it out. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards. And in that moment where you're saying to yourself, I just want to speak to a human being. We've got that covered too. And what do you have to do? You just simply dial 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and a Patriot Pillow Counselor is on standby for you. So just imagine, in one little blip, you have these two images in your head, a comfortable pillow with Giza cotton sheets and that sudden desire to go to the Midwest in Minnesota to the State Fair and try deep fried butter. I bet you never thought you'd get that in on Friday night, did you? But here you go. All right, Patriots. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You got it. I'm going to read a poem from the beginning here today of today's show. By the way, people say they like it. I have not found that to be the case. It's a little interesting. They have other things like deep fried Twinkies. I think that's pretty good. That's They have all sorts of crazy stuff. If you haven't been to Minnesota State Fair... Uh, I'm going to tell you, it's an experience <laughs> only in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, what they have left say, have you ever had left say 
You know, if you've ever listened to Garrison Keeler, I lived up in Minnesota for a while. I love the people. They're great people in the northern part of the state. And uh, if you ever listened to Garrison Keeler, which was an old PBS show, and I really thought when he was telling his stories, he was joking. And then I lived up there. And then I went, you weren't kidding, were you? Like pickled herring in the wintertime that is really nasty. It kind of looks like big snot blobs coming out of a jar. And they get so excited about getting it every year. I just, I can't. And if you're from Minnesota and you know what I'm talking about, I, I'm just telling you, it's, it's just one of those things that I'm not being critical. It's just I don't like big snot blobs coming out of a jar and eating it for Christmas. It's just not one of my favorite things. Anyway. All right, Patriots, I want us to read a poem before we begin. It is called The Watchman. Listen to this. This is by Miriam Vader. The watchman walked the little streets with slow and steady tread. He slung his lantern as he went. All's well, the watchman said. Behind closed doors, a woman sat who had no more to sell. The watchman paused before her door. All's well, he cried. All's well. An old man shivered in the dark who had no bread to eat. Echoed the watchman's cry. All's well along the mighty street. The watchman passed in silent house wherein a child had died. A candle burned against the pane. All's well, the watchman cried. And through the night the watchman passed with slow and steady tread. And ever to the little streets. All's well, the watchman said. That poem pretty much sums up about half our population right now that's in a coma. That just keeps wanting to see things in the old way and trying to get reassurance that everything's going to be all well. I've been hitting pretty hard on this issues about the election and all the excitement that's rolling around there with the great winds we supposedly had. I don't want to burst anybody's hope and bubbles, but I am going to put some reality on the table. The selection process we just went through was a primary. And even in that primary, there was an unbelievable level of fraud. And people are are hailing this as great victories because... They were supposedly able to overcome the algorithms. This is the Republican Party fighting the Republican Party. We haven't even got into the main fight with the deep state. And it took a human effort to overcome a massive human effort to even get the few candidates that were there in America on American First platform to get through it. This isn't a good look, and it's not a good good snapshot of where things are going because the enemy the deep state is watching and they're already making plans for how they're going to rig the next level of the election you have everybody pushing all the emphasis on elections and there's so many other things going on in the nation and we're missing still as i keep saying one of our biggest challenges and biggest opportunities to bring the system to its knees We need to stop participating in the purchase of junk from the big corporate box stores. That is a big one. We need to quit funding the government that's using our taxpayer money to wage war against us. You need to stop having encouraging people or we need to encourage people not to join the military that is literally poisoning young men and women or sending them off to wars that we want nothing to do with. See, this is the whole problem is that there is 
And the other one of the other big ones, public schools and universities, stop attending. They are building their monster and beast around us, and they're using our dollars to do it. And it's, it's not changing anything. Getting a few America First candidates in is not going to have the impact of change. You're not hearing America First candidates talk about stopping the injection. You're not ta- hearing America First co- candidates talking about stopping the rollout of the CBDC digital dollar. You're not hearing the America First candidates talk about penalizing with war crimes against anybody who has administered the injection, especially those in the government, especially those in the military ranks that have forced soldiers to take this bioweapon. And we haven't heard anybody talk about accountability with the treasonous acts that the media has done. This is the real dialogue that we're having out here that isn't being replicated in the political sphere. And here's the truth. The people are waking up. But the problem is people keep looking to the politicians to fix a problem that is on us to fix. And we have the ability to fix it if we believe in ourselves and, of course, always putting God first. Let me start with this little piece here. I don't believe in conspiracies, but I heard this one the other day. There was a gentleman in the, in the 90s called Stanley Meyer invented a device that allows your car to run on water, right? The U.S. government wanted to bite off him. The British government wanted to bite off him. He said no, and then he passed away by choking. His last words to his brother were, they poisoned me, okay? Not so long ago, another gentleman named Aaron Salter Jr. invented a device that allows your car to run on water. What if I told you that Mr. Salter sadly was a victim in the recent Buffalo tragedy, right? I don't know who's listening, but my mother-in-law is also inventing a device that allows your car to run on water. (laughs) All right, so here's the deal, though. There's two separate inventions, and this is they, they categorize these out to conspiracy. Obviously, he's a comedian, but they categorize it out to comedian as conspiracy. And we've had two major inventions there that would have changed the entire landscape of the world. A vehicle that runs on water? You're told it's impossible. But again, we need to trust the science. Oh, that's right. Like the same scientist, the top French scientist who admitted today that he, the recent photo that he tweeted out of the picture of the nearest star to the sun wasn't really a picture from a telescope. It was just a slice of chorizo. I'm not making this up. Patriots, we're beginning played so bad by science, and science itself is so bankrupt, and everything about what we've been taught and taught to believe, the economy, the entire lie about that, about how it's supposed to work, everything is a lie. Everything. Including the fact that we've been fighting noble wars, killing people around the world in the name of terrorism. Guess who's been starting all that? Oh, yeah, that would be our people starting those wars. See, there's a lot starting to come out that's really shaking up the world, and it's shaking it up deeply. And part of that, what's coming out, is what Russia is unveiling in Ukraine. You see, they've now specifically pointed out that the DNC globalists were the ones that created COVID. I'm going to read a little bit here from BioClandestine's Substack. New briefing from Chief of Radiation, Chemical and Biological Defense Forces, General Igor Kirilov 
on military biological activities of the United States in the territory of Ukraine. The Russian military have been studying biological samples from surrounded <clears throat> from surrendered Ukrainian soldiers and they have been f- and they have been finding is beyond disturbing. Approximately 20% of them carrying West Nile pathogens, which were being studied, quote, by the Pentagon as part of the Ukrainian UP4 and UP8 projects, suggesting the Ukrainian soldiers were being subject to involuntary biological experimentation and exposure to biological weapons. Think Nuremberg. In addition to carrying out pathogens, nearly all of the surrendered Ukrainian soldiers carried traces of a wide variety of narcotics and opiates, including meth and codeine. Russia were, were sure to remind us the Nazis' usage of methamphetamines in World War II. Now, BioClandestine covered that about two weeks ago, by the way, if you didn't check that in a substack, which is really interesting because the whole idea of the Blitzkrieg was derived from the fact that most of the soldiers were all on methamphetamines or speed. Russia goes on to cite that this methamphetamine U- Ukraine are using which is pervitin, was also used by U.S. soldiers during Vietnam and Korea. It's designed to reduce the psycho-emotional burdens of war. However, an intended side effect is excessive aggression, which Russian alleges, Russia alleges is one of the main factors for the nationalist Ukraine forces displaying extreme cruelty to civilians and the shelling of their own people on Donbass. And that's not, a, that's not just a Russian accusation anymore. Because that great war of Ukraine that all these fools out here have been waving the Ukraine flag and some sort of virtual signaling, signaling crap that they've been doing, well, Amnesty International has now verified the fact, and I'm not a fan of Amnesty International either, but they have verified the fact that Ukraine has been using their own citizens as human shields. We're living in this world right now where people still are just being obedient to a matrix, so many of them not questioning the things that are around them. And unfortunately, that's probably a partial side effect of the vax. Hard to say for sure, but it's something we definitely can be suspicious of because of the consequences of what comes from the vax. One of that is the fact that the particles in the vax will pass through the blood-brain barrier, and they are causing behavioral changes. There's approximately 75 million people in the United States that have never taken a single injection, according to the CDC. And on top of that, there's about 160 million people that have only taken one injection and nothing more. That has the world leaders rather disturbing, disturbed. But what's even more disturbing is that some time back, there was an analysis made by one of those secret little three-letter places inside the government that around by 2030, the U.S. population would be reduced to about 220 million people. Now, I'm not going to do a massive math show here tonight, but it sure is pretty close when you start adding up 120 or 130 million people with one vax and 75 million people with no vax. That's kind of funny that you arrive pretty closely at a number of around 220 million. Because what we do know about the injection is that the injection is more deadly the farther you go down the road. And on top of it, to convolute things even more, we know that a large percentage, intermixed in the percentages of the injections were placebos. So we don't really know what the true numbers are. Plus there's the variation of doses, the different dose levels, 
the way it was administered, the way the dose vial was handled, et cetera, et cetera. But we're looking at a very devastating impact on U.S. life in general. And it's centered around the slow attrition of things all around us. And you are seeing this happen steadily. And so it's going to take the those that are literally the irony of the other number, 70-some million people, that's almost the same people that voted for President Trump. It's going to take that line of people to continue to fight and be the real watchman, not the watchman of blindness, but the watchman of action to lead this country back to where we need to be. That can begin by getting kids out of schools. The following video is from a teacher conference where they learn how to talk to children about genitals. I'm going to let the video speak for itself. We have bits. We have any and Audi, front hole, junk, goodies, package. This activity is just showing us that we have, we have hundreds of words that we can use to talk about our bodies that make us feel really connected. This is what we mean when we say the word groomers. Do you want teachers talking to your kids about back holes and their goodies? Pull your kids from public schools. Get them out if you're in. If they're in the public schools, you got to get them out. These are part of the actions that nobody on the main body force of here of influencers is talking about. We're not hearing these conversations to get to encourage a mass exodus from schools. They're telling you instead, vote red and we're all going to be good. Patriots, that's, that's on par with treading very dangerously to a lie. And I won't say it's outrightly a lie because there definitely needs to be some change in our political electorate and our body politic. But the fact of the matter is that those are not changes that are going to have immediate effect. Everybody keeps looking at the strategic level of change. When are we going to get in there and we're going to get in and trust more Grassleys? What's Grassley doing? What's happening at the senior level? We're having conversations between FBI Director Ray, who I'm pretty sure the way he's doing his hair and talking lately, I think he's got a, a limp wrist, if I'm not mistaken. We've got conversations going on between him and Ray, and it's another kabuki theater. Nothing's happening. You see no justice happening before us. And at the same time, people are just going along, waiting, waiting, waiting for that next level of icons to rise up. And that idolatries of, of the politicians to somehow save the nation. It's not going to happen. The change happens locally. The change happens in our by getting our kids out of school. Change happens with focusing on local change in your community and your county, because that's ultimately where America is built from, the bottom up, not the top down. A republic built on we the people is not a republic that says we the government will dictate to the mass of the people for their obedience. That's exactly inverse of what our Declaration of Independence said and formed this country around. We the people tell the government what to do. They are subordinate to us. That means at the local level, we have to make change and secure our local community. And the war is going on on many levels. It's not just a war on the gender, which is one of their big ones, which is to comp confuse everything. And likely, if you look at the consequences of this injection, one of the big things about this injection is the sterilization rates. 70% of the people that have been injected are now sterilized. Death rates with the millennial class are up 5,000% children that have been injected by the vax. That's a big one. 
70% chance of dying of some other event. Actually, it's a 4,000 increase of dying by some event in their, in a, in an early, in a early adulthood. See, they're, they're out here in a full-scale war. They're attacking the elderly. They're attacking the youth. And they know that body that isn't going to be touched, so they're going a full war against anybody that continues to take it. And that's a fight that we've tried that we can't touch anymore because those that are locked into that matrix are going to have to walk that path. But we have to continue to keep the fight going from our side, and whatever you do, no matter what the pressure, never put one of those needles in your arm. I'm telling you, they are coming hard. And they'll continue to pressure because this is their whole agenda. And the bigger question is really, so if we know this is happening, and we do, it's not even a question that there's deaths happening. It's happening all over the place. I mentioned this once before. If you take the research that Tom Renz does, and that death rate somewhere that he has clocked between 400 to 700,000 people that have died as a consequence of the vax, and we have approximately 2.5 million people now that have been vax damaged as a result of this bioweapon that's being called a vaccine, which it is not. Isn't it interesting that those two numbers, again, this is not a math class, but it doesn't take a genius to put two numbers together. Two and a half million people injured by an injection, approximately five to 700,000 people killed as a consequence of taking the injection. That's really interesting. That number gets pretty close to the labor number that says that we're, we have 3.5 million people out of the workforce. And we're just on the cusp of this. We're on the beginning of this. And it's only going to get more, more demanding. That means everything in our system that we're accustomed to is going to be challenged with labor shortages. That's going to mean your water guy that works down here running the water filtration plant in your city, he's subject to something like this. That already happened in one small town in New Mexico where they lost both of their water, their water facilities people. What happens in a city when you start to lose critical people, not the critical infrastructure? You see, so much of this is happening before us, and nobody's talking about it. And that's the question everybody should be asking. This illusion around Q is that, whoa, the White Hats are in control, but they have to be hidden in the shadows. They can't release the truth before us because people have to live through this to awaken. They have to see it to believe it. I don't know how many people need to die for people to see it to believe it, especially when the media is not talking about it. Why isn't anybody else? And the answer isn't this conspiratorial or, or sort of visionary idea that there's some magic plan behind the scenes. It's the fact that they probably don't even know themselves because they're so buried in this verticalized belief system that we have to get into power. We have to get our party back. We have to get our people back into the place to change the world. The world is changing. People are dying. There's 120,000 veterans out here that are leaving the military. And I'm going to tell you what, the discussion is we're going to give them their jobs back. We're going to give them their benefits back. You can do the interviews. Ask. I will guarantee you almost to the one or just don't want anything to do with the military ever again. They're not coming back. What they want to see is justice. That's what they want. How about the military people that have been damaged by the injection? All of our F-35 planes are grounded because of a technical problem. It sounds a lot like the airlines telling us that the aircraft can't fly because of weather. My guess is it's a pilot shortage. 
you know anything about the F-35 pilot training program, it is one of the most sophisticated planes ever developed, one of the most demanding on any sort of pilot performance. My guess is we don't have the pilots to fly them because of the injection which they were forced to take. See, this thing is unraveling around us. Our world is changing. And so if you ever wonder, man, am I doing the right thing of making sure that I'm keeping up supplies in my home, building up capacity for my neighborhood? Yes, you are. Because little by little, the things that we depend on, the people that are in places, especially in the government agencies, especially in the military, especially in these places where people were working with publicly funded or public organizations, they all took the injection. And they've taken another, and many have taken the boosters. And little by little, their performance is degrading. And that means that the things that we've become accustomed to are starting to fall apart. Don't be reliant on the system. It's the one trap to this whole thing. And don't rely on their food. Take a listen to this. This has been right in our face the whole time. The U.S. federal government decided we would spray our entire grain supply with folic acid. This man-made chemical. We don't call it sprayed with folic acid. We call it fortified or enriched. So if you spin a box of crackers around, you see the words fortified or enriched. That means sprayed with folic acid. Now, let's take a child. They're getting ready for school in the morning. They have this gene mutation. You've pumped them full of folic acid-laden foods. Pop-tarts, white bagels. Cocoa puffs. uh, Cocoa puffs, cereals. Now you just dumped folic acid into their body. And then by the time they get to school, the teacher's calling and saying, hey, little Johnny can't pay attention. He doesn't concentrate, he doesn't focus. He doesn't finish his assignments. He's not following directions. He's got ADHD. We need to bring in the Ritalin to control this. And the truth is ADHD is not even an attention deficit disorder at all. It's an attention overload disorder. And then what modern medicine wants to do is give you an amphetamine to speed up, race the central nervous system to match the pace of the mind instead of putting just amino acids into the bloodstream that allow the mind to naturally quiet itself. It's all connected. The food producers are tied with the big pharma so that the food produces a sickness so that the big pharma can provide you a drug. It's one big network of hell that they've been waging a war through these agencies that we supposedly trust. You can take that back strategically to the 50s. When our boys came back from World War II, the push to go to suburban America as they pushed them away from the farm, the offering of new jobs and opportunities, and, and the media campaign that went along with staying away from agriculture. Remember, it was extremely successful in America, small gardens. In World War I and again in World War II when they did victory gardens, people were growing more food than the commercial level production out of their backyards. But that doesn't work when you want to control the food supply. So a war was waged in the 50s. And what was that war waged on? Critical areas, a promotion of, pre, of pre-processed foods available for convenience so you didn't have to do the work at home. As they waged the war against things like butter and milk and eggs and bacon, all claiming that they were the source of cholesterol and heart attacks, all completely fabricated and made up. The real source of that was this new product they wanted to get on the market, hydrogenated oils and margarine. You see... They've been playing this game for a long time, and the more that they refined it, the better they got, the more that we've gone quietly and obediently forward until now when we have the eyes to see. We get confused many times when we start looking at our our world, and we say we need to love our neighbor. Yes, but the Bible does not tell us to love evil. There is such a thing as evil. 
And you have to have eyes to see, to discern between those that have been victimized by this and those that are purely evil in their heart. Because there is a place where we do not roll over. You do not become a doormat to this. And right now we're fighting for the survival of our nation. And the problem is that many of these people that are in power still, and those that are even rising to power, if they're not calling out what evil is, if they're not calling out the evil acts, why do we keep expecting something different? Why do we keep expecting that through a political process that has failed us every single time over the last hundred plus years, that suddenly we're in a new era, that the people that are going into these power positions are now going to become different, not the same as they were before, not the same like past politicians because we're in a new era of what? What has changed? Substantially, what has changed in the political realm? Not only are we using the same machines, the same corrupt system to vote them in, we are sending them into the same cesspool, which we call D.C., supposed to be our capital, to Luciferian pit, with the same agents of control that exist that everybody else gets exposed to. You still have the operators that used to be three-letter agency spooks that are out here doing influence operations and they're doing lobbyist work, and they've also got those special guys that are doing all the blackmail work to make sure that those politicians comply. We still have the, the 17 intelligence agencies in full operation. And we have a military that's completely turned its back on its own soldiers, and we expect it to come rolling in and save us? The real power, again, comes down to the local level. That's where we affect change. Because when you change the foundation and the underbelly of a nation to where it's in alignment, the federal government increasingly becomes distanced from the people. But we're seeing this again and again. The government is trying to have overreach. It's trying to take power away from the counties, power away from the cities, power away from the states. Look at what the Biden administration has been trying to do. Signing an EO to afford to have people travel across state lines to get an abortion. What about that with guns? What happens if you travel across state lines with guns? Let's say an AR-15 with extended magazines. Are you suddenly going to get a pass because the federal government's allowing somebody to do the same with abortion? I think not. Our government is the enemy of the people. And we have to take that into our heart and realize that when we start talking about watchers on the wall, we're defending our communities against an evil that's entrenched in its own sanctum called Washington, D.C. And the ideal that somehow a few politicians are going to get up there under the banner of America first and change all of this, that's right on the edge of insanity because they're not. President Trump was vocal about what he did in the in his change. He got hit hard. He's one of a few. And whatever our views are, your views are on President Trump, the one thing no one can deny is it was one man against an entire machine because the nation didn't really stand behind him. The nation stood there with hands out going, Mr. President, would you fix it for us? It took him being kicked out of D.C., the election stolen for people to finally stand up and go, what's going on? Part of that has been this war on men, which unfortunately has been very successful. Happening today is a radical form of a woman's movement. The idea that we don't need men, that men are always and constantly, once again, the oppressed versus the oppressor. I have news for people that do identify themselves as feminists. Men are not dropped off by the stork. We are the people that have to carry men for nine months. They are our little boys, they are our sons, they are our husbands. This country needs women to find their voices and to fight for our men. 
because what is happening right now is a cultural war on men. There is a cultural war on men. And it's doing a couple of things. To be a man now, you're supposed to be metrosexual. You're supposed to be have a squeaky little voice. You're supposed to be thin and frail and wear skinny jeans. And you're supposed to be obsessed with your your skin and your hair. The idea of having strong males in our culture has been also encouraged, discouraged by a large body of women because they don't want to have that aggressiveness around them. Men are what they are. It's what's going to make the difference in this nation, and it's not going to be won by women. And again, I go back to this whole America First thing. Where are the strong male candidates? I'm not seeing any. We're seeing endorsement after endorsement of more women. Women, I'm not taking this as a criticism to you, but where's the men? And I've said this all along. It's taken strong women to get us here. Thank goodness we've had them. But where are the men? Has the war been so successful that it's basically neutered the majority of our male population now? Or have our men retracted back to their bunkers waiting for the bomb to go up so they can eat their 67,000 cans of tuna over the next 10 years as a staple as they wait for nuclear winter to blow over as they polish their ammo and stack stack their magazines? I don't know. But what I do know is in 2015 and 2016, I was told again and again by every single guy that I contacted, and we were on the campaign trail, that if this doesn't go right, we're going to get our guns and we're going to war. Well, I've not seen it. And I've really tried to put the picture together, and it still doesn't make a lot of sense, except that this type of war is a hard one to fight. It's an information war, primarily. And it's a war that takes a discipline, a focus, a different type of mentality. And it's a lot easier to talk about guns than it is to talk about how to make a meme to change somebody's mind or how to engage somebody with scripture to change their heart, more importantly. But that's where this war is fought right now. So women, you've got a job. And it's not to put down the men, but to raise them up. Because we need them in the lead of this family. And if they aren't getting that strength in home, where else are they going to get it? Because they're not going to get it out here. And that's the truth. But, you know, what can we say? We've got the ongoing nonsense of everything else in our world, including our whole idea that we're going to suddenly get rid of gas cars and we're going to go to a green mentality. Here's somebody from oil and gas. By the way, that's a manly industry if you haven't been around that one. Prices. What's the one solution? Open up the pipeline. Right, I'm a gas and oil millionaire and I'm going to fight forever. There's more earth being destroyed with lithium batteries being pulled out of the earth. And what are you going to do with them all at the end? Get everybody on electricity? LA couldn't even handle the brownouts by just the few people who had them last year in 20 and 21. What stuns me about this again is that is a strong woman speaking stuff that men should be speaking about. I've heard men speak that, but they won't speak it publicly. Why? And this is the conundrum we're in. And literally, I go back to where we begin tonight, which is this poem of the Watchman. Because it's just like we're walking around here, and the men in the culture are walking around swinging their lantern, and they look at the man without any bread, and they're like, all is well. They look at the household with a dead child, all is well. All is not well. And we need to start seeing that strength of men standing up. Because without it, Our country is not going to find its way back. 
if it hasn't struck anybody as odd, and I'm just going to point it out, women don't take offense to this, but it is interesting that the entire Luciferian structure is based on the woman as the lead. And yet here we are supposedly changing America back to America first, and every figure we keep having put before us is a woman in the lead. And I have yet to hear anybody in this campaign thank God for a victory that they had because it didn't happen. This time, everybody, oh, it's, I, we had a great campaign. It wasn't me, it was you. No, actually, it wasn't. If you won at all and you have the right place in your heart, it's because God allowed it. We're, we're not getting closer to that space either. Instead, we're still walking down this silly road of the gr- green hypocrisy. The United States, 4 or 5% of the world's population, still uses 25% of the world's resources. You outsource production to China, and then you say China is the carbon polluter. China's producing your buckets. China's producing your nuts and bolts. China's producing your phones. Try to produce it in your own countries and see your carbon emissions rise. You love lecturing us because you have a colonial mentality. Then there are colonial structures and institutions You lend us money, and every time you lend us money, which is our money, which is our money, every time the International Monetary Fund comes to our societies and they tell us, here's the money we are giving you, we are giving you, no, it's our money. You give us our money back as debt, and then you lecture us about how we should live. What he just said there has permeated our entire culture. We've become comfortable with the idea of cheap crap from overseas. We've seen it as our new normal. We've taken away the jobs that men used to do, and instead of fighting to get them back, we're accepting them as the new normal. Men have taken it hard. They were the single breadwinner for the family. It used to be the man working, the woman could stay at home and raise the children. That isn't an insult or some patriarchal model. It is the model that allowed us to have great, strong families. But as we've gone along here, women, I hate to tell you, but you got suckered big time in a big way. Your independence garbage that you got force-fed or you accepted willfully that gave you the liberty to go out and have the jobs get equal pay, it took you away from being a mom. It took you away from the most important job God ever gave us. That was to have a nurturing, loving mother in the home to make sure that the boys and girls that we raised became strong, centered in God, reinforced by a strong man in the household. They've been effective at their war. We have a big war to fight, and we're not fighting the right one when we start focusing just on putting in a a ticket in the ballot. The war that we have to fight and win is in the home. The war that we have to fight is when we have to find it wonderful again, strong again for a man to say, I'm a man of Scripture. I read the Bible. That's strength. And with that strength comes other things, fearlessness, courage, you know, we know how we know that this entire order that they're doing is centered around the destruction of the family. We had a small win. It was the Supreme Court that cast out Roe versus Wade. In this last election, one of the states I least expected to see at Kansas just reinforced the need to have abortion at a state level. Something's wrong here. Where's the strength of the men and the women together standing as families saying no more? And if you ever doubt how deep and corrupt these people are, take a listen to this in this sense of how much they hate God's children. This comes from what's going on in New Zealand. 
Prime Minister of New Zealand, and we love you New Zealanders that yeah, watch. Yeah, we love the people in New York and Seattle, and there too. He is, there she is, and um, she uh, has allowed the most extreme abortion law in the world. Jacinda This is the Arden. Prime Minister of New Zealand. Abortions will now be available on demand for any reason up to birth. Sex selective abortions will be legalized, meaning if you find out you're having a boy and you want a girl, you can abort the baby. If you're having a Ridiculous. girl and you want a boy, you can abort the baby. It's murder. The current 20-week limit for disability selective abortion will be scrapped and abortion will be available up to birth for disabilities including a cleft lip, a club foot, and Down syndrome. There will be no requirement that a doctor be involved with providing an abortion. How insane. How many women are going to die from that? There will be no legal requirement that babies born alive after a failed abortion will be given medical support. There will be no legal requirement that pain relief be given to babies being aborted between 20 weeks and birth. And they can feel pain at that time. There will be no legal restrictions on controversial methods of abortion, such as intact dilation and extraction abortions, also known as partial birth abortion. That's when you allow a baby to be partially born and then you kill it and then and you do that for the harvesting of the parts. This is how they think. That's every one of these leaders. If they could get away with that here, they would do it in a heartbeat. And the difference is going to be how strong we stand as people, understanding that we together can solve this fight. It's not women leading or men leading. It's the unity that we build that God intended for us to have to build a strong family again. Our true fight to win this is to rebuild the family. We can't save those that have decided not to listen. That's They're on their own. We'll pray for them. At a certain point, our role will step in, as we've talked about here, to heal. But right now, we have to start building the watchers on the wall to really protect, defend, and rebuild the family because there's yet even a darker part to all of this. I'm going to play this six-minute piece. Annika Lucas. I want you to hear this woman. She is... A, gives a testimony of being child trafficked in a murderous child trafficking cult. This is the ultimate fight and the ultimate place where we have to win, the ultimate battle zone. And if we don't start protecting as a family, as a unit, rebuilding our family, our nation, our world will never survive this. Six minutes, 30 seconds of your time to listen to this testimony. Here we go. My name is Annika Lucas. I am a mom. I have pets. And I'm currently the leader of an organization that brings yoga into prisons. I'm also a survivor of child sex trafficking. I was raised in Belgium and sold into a murderous pedophile network right around my sixth birthday. I was used in this network for five years and a half. Adult men that were part of this exclusive club were there for various reasons, but 
There was a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, and the children were the commodity, the highest, the most valued commodity, and were used for sex mostly. But there were a number of aristocrats that were part of this club who also liked killing children. And then my time had come. At the age of 11, <clears throat> I was about to be killed. I was tortured because someone who had protected me for a while and then abused me really badly was done with me. I was strapped to a butcher's block. That was black from the blood of all the children that had come before me. I was there for a few hours. My body is full of scars and every scar reminds me of the moment. I thought that I was going to be killed like all the children that weren't loved enough to live. And I was going to be forgotten as well. And I wasn't ready to die. Someone from inside that network loved me enough to rescue me. That torture lasted a few hours. However, I was in that network for five years and a half. In that time, I was raped many, many, many times. I don't have any scars to show how many times I was raped, but I did the math. Uh, usually it was a whole night in the weekend. And so I gathered that I was raped, actually raped, for about six hours a week. 1,716 hours of rape before I reached the age of 12. I grew up with instructions that were given to me by the person who rescued me, that kept me out of prostitution, kept me away from drugs, led me out of the country, Belgium, where I was, where this all happened. As a young adult, though I didn't have any scars, I had been projected upon so much as a sexual object that I attracted men. And part of me needed that to live, because that was the only way I knew how to feel good. And as a young woman, I was so disrespected and so used. And yet everyone was so ready to put the blame with me for being promiscuous, for being, as was said, cheap, a whore, all these things, all these epithets, so quick to denounce me. And then as I was healing, I realized, no, I have to break out of this 
pattern that I'm in, that I need sexual attention. So let me break away from it. Let me not objectify myself at all. Let me become a liberated woman. And so I worked for decades and decades, feeling into all the pain of what was done to me, all the betrayal of being sold by my parents. Children are the most vulnerable of our population. So we want to create a society where children will be safe, where children will have a community around them. Every child deserves safety. No child deserves what I went through and what millions of children each day go through. But unfortunately, the way the system is right now, that is part of the system. As women, we have so much potential to be truly empowered by feeling into everything that we as women endure. That gives us more strength than anyone. All that pain behind all that powerlessness and that humiliation, really feeling into what was done to me, really understanding that it wasn't me, that at the end of the day, I'm okay. I was a child. I was being victimized. It wasn't my fault. There is such a thing as pure evil. And if you live in a world that somehow naively believes that everybody's going to get a love and hug, wake up. And there's no negotiating with pure evil. The people that did that to her are the same people that are running this world. When you look around and you start assessing candidates and you start obsessing about an election fraud, I've said this all along. It takes 48 hours at most to figure out who you're going to vote for. How can we spend two years deciding who's going to be president? The real problems are things like this. The real fight is the family. And the real fight ultimately comes down to the children. We have to be able to fight to give them a future. And if we're not willing to sacrifice everything now, what do we hand them in the future? For generations we know and generations yet unborn. Part of this battle has been lost because those that took the injection, there are many that will never have the opportunity of bearing children because of what was done to them. Those that stayed away from this, we truly are the vanguard. We are the watchers. And we have a responsibility to this world and to those yet unborn, yet to be born, to protect a future that they're hoping to have that they don't even realize is being stolen from them. The people behind these engines of power are dark, they're evil, there's no negotiating with them, and justice has to be clean and ruthless. It cannot be a compromise. It's not a discussion. It's not a plea bargain. And we have to have that clear in our heart. And there's no violation in Scripture, let's be clear. Because within us, there's still great people. And we are great people. 
and it's hard sometimes in the midst of all the chaos to find a way through. But it's just a little reminder. Take a listen to this story as we close of this old man that's taking care of his son that had to stand before a judge. Thank you. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Judge. Mr. Kowala, you are charged with a school zone violation. Beg pardon? You are charged with a school zone violation, which means that you were exceeding the speed limit in a school zone. I don't drive that fast, Judge. I'm 96 years old, and I drive slowly, and I only drive when I have to. I was going to the blood work for my boy. He's handicapped. You were taking your son to the doctor's office? Yeah. I take him for blood work Mm -hmm. every two weeks because he's got cancer. You are a good man. You are a good man. You you, you really are what America is all about. Here you are in your 90s, and you're still taking care of your family. That's just a... Wonderful thing for you. Well, how old is your son? 63. Yeah. And he's still, daddy's still taking care of him, right? <laughs> I only drive when I have to. Yeah. You see that young man over there? That's my son. Now, he's looking at me saying, Dad, when you're in your 90s, you're going to be driving me around. <laughs> you're setting a bad example for my kid. No. You're, put, you're putting a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> Listen, sir, I wish you all the best. I wish the best for your son, and I wish you good health, and your case is dismissed. Good luck to you, and God bless you. Thank you. That is being American. And that is what we are fighting to restore. And to get there, it's going to take the man and the woman and the family and the protection of the children to get there. It begins in the home, and it begins with a ferocity in the heart. Know that ferocity. Without it, they will walk on you and step on you like a cockroach. That's not how we built America. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled to a certain degree with heavy hearts with the reality of the fights that we face before us. The children. Too often we forget in the midst of our crazy politics and noise, they're the silent victims in so much of this. And yet, they're our responsibility. Father, forgive us for the times we've turned our back or turned a blind eye. Forgive us for doubting or hesitating or not standing up to give voice and protection to the innocent and those that have no voice. Let us be inspired by the voices that remind us of the darkness to give us courage in the heart to fight harder. Let us be inspired by the stories of a 96-year-old man who has never stopped taking care of his handicapped son. That's how you made us. So we pray for courage. We pray for the warrior spirit to rise, 
to understand that there is a point of loving our neighbor, but we shall never, never negotiate with this evil. And then in the end, it must be removed and destroyed. Guide us, protect us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, patriots. It is a beautiful country we have and a beautiful world with beautiful people. But there are predators out there that enjoy watching it be torn apart. They enjoy watching innocence be stolen. You can't let a predator into your neighborhood and into your life. And we can't let predators run this world. And whatever that's going to take, that's what we have to give to defeat them for the sake of the children. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. But part of this fight is we have to trust in him and fight hard. In the end, God will always win. But he has us here in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Find the warrior spirit. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, 
which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 